You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Arc 2 is proudly sponsored by HeroForge, a free online character design application that lets you make and order your very own custom TTRPG minis. Their character creation tools are rich and deep, with facial customization, animal companions, action poses, spell effects, hundreds of clothing options, and nigh-infinite color choices. Get a color-printed mini, unpainted premium plastic, bronze minis, color standees, or even your very own digital STL files for printing at home or use in virtual tabletops. To see their tools in action, go to Hero Forge Minis on Twitter and search Artemis. They made a mini of Nova's very own Hand of Fate, and she looks good. Check out Hero Forge today at heroforge.com. Content warnings for this episode may include heights, falling, descriptions of food, death of loved ones and family, grief, trauma, fantasy violence, fire, and explosions. Arc 2, Episode 6. You wayward son. From Carved Inside an Empty Urn by Connie Chong. Mist. For a moment, that's all there is. Dense, cold, tumbling spindles of mist rolling across a sky drenched in the dazzling white of daytime. A fickle wind blows, the mist thins, and the city of heaven is revealed. It rises from this ocean of clouds, endless in its majesty, violent in its beauty. Lofty buildings perch atop granite peaks. We see tiered roofs with vermilion gables, open-air courtyards bleeding into azure lakes, glistening veins of pure white rivers, crooked black pines with flat, bent branches as though twisted into being with a deft brushstroke. The city's sheer scale is breathtaking. Buildings stretch from horizon to horizon, linked by shimmering canals. Every few miles, a granite mountain juts from tiled streets. Waterfalls gush from their rocky crevices, falling into deep pools thousands of feet below. Stone ramps coil up the sides, spiraling up, up, up until the peaks flatten into paved plazas connected to other miles-high town squares by stone bridges, some of which are wide and long enough to contain entire micro-cities, complete with buildings and gardens and terraces. But the most important landmark in heaven, visible from anywhere in the city, no matter where you are, is most certainly the heavenly palace. As the seat of power for Emperor Longdu, the immortal dragon, the palace resides in the very center of heaven. 
even from afar, we can tell that this main palatial complex is as large as a city itself. The details aren't too clear from this distance, but the golden roofs gleam like sunbeams shot through with purple rays. Everywhere you look, you see flowing water, gray stone, moss-dappled peaks, royal buildings, and sprawling courtyards. And in the dazzling light of day, the mist is thin. You very clearly see terraces sparkling like golden sices, the beaming sun, the pleasant winds, a cheerful warmth, bathing the waterfalls and boulevards with bright, radiant energy. The air itself hums with magic, possibility. The City of Heaven would be nothing short of divinely beautiful if it weren't for one small detail. The streets, the temples, the bridges, the canals, the shops, the homes, courtyards, mountains, plazas, every single part of the city is empty. There are no people. There are no creatures. There are no gods. Strike Team Nova. You find yourselves standing on an elevated stone dais upon one of the city's many soaring plazas, hundreds of feet below you. You see the next layer of the city, and then the next, and then the next. The city is tiered on top of itself, an unsolvable matrix of streets and waterways and boulevards and courtyards. A few dozen feet to your east, you see a stone bridge branching from your plaza to another one a half mile off. And in your immediate vicinity, you are surrounded by a bustling town square. Or rather, you think it would have been bustling if there were people in it. As it stands, this part of the City of Heaven is as silent and unmoving as every other part. The only sound that greets you is the whispering of wind and the gurgling of water from a fountain nearby. Otherwise, your party is completely and utterly alone. As you teleport into the City of Heaven, I want to know what kind of change washes over each of you and how you're taking in this empty, heavenly metropolis. Starting with Sayer. As Sayer zaps into this reality, the first thing that happens is that the wind billows past his disheveled, messy curls of hair that hang shaggily off of his scalp. And as soon as the wind hits, the trans uniform, these black, white, and gold patterned jacket and shirt disappear, and in its place you see bare chest revealing a dark tattoo right on his pectoral muscles, and underneath two thick top surgery scars sit underneath the pectoral muscle. A white draping of fabric is slung across his shoulder and around his torso, and around his waist, a fabric red belt sits, holding up uh, to secure a breathable, billowing set of trousers that have been tied intentionally and securely around his legs. He wears simple sandals on his feet, functional and practical, and around his neck finally is revealed the prize of his trial with the Wild Hunt, a simple hammered crescent moon necklace sits around his neck on top of his chest. And as Sayer arrives, 
His tail swishes and he notices his golden accessory still lining at the tip of his tail, jingling as it moves and sways in the breeze. And as he arrives, he touches his body and notices his clothing. Very plain, reverent. And he turns around to look at the rest of his strike team and notices the emptiness of the space. And he is unsettled. Hmm. As that unsettling feeling washes over your new clothes, your bare chest, this red sash tied around your waist, we pan across you to find Lumira. What do you look like in the city of heaven, and how are you taking in this emptiness? Lumira shows up almost with a soft thud, firm in her stance when she arrives as she takes in how utterly beautiful this plane that she's in is now Lumira's when she sees Sayir she also like feels over herself and she notices as well that her uniform has changed gone is the beautiful white black and gold gradient that was her original robes and trans, and now is a much thicker kind of stiff stoic cloak. Once again, her shoulder pads are very sharp, but have polders that essentially just have those same clock ears that wrap around them. And there's a sash also covered in those same ornate gold clock ears that cross her body and wrap down into what looks almost like a leather garter set that has different tools and her, of course, her pocket watch, as well as her spell book. There's no more white in her uniform. It is purely black, black as night. The only color that sticks out is the ornate gold pieces of the clock ears that sit along her chest and on her shoulders. As her sleeves fan out a bit more, you can see there's fingerless gloves almost that wrap around her fingertips, accentuating and On her left hand, where her fingertips are gilded, you almost can't even begin to see where her skin stops and the gold that wraps around her undersleeves begins. Her hair is still white and streaked with white and thick curls, but they're much tighter now and they spring up a little bit closer up her shoulders and up her back a bit and she looks with breathless wonder Mm. as this wonder strikes you and you take in your new form your hair the darkness of your clothing we sweep across you to find Zynan what do you look like in the city of heaven and how are you taking everything in like every time Zynan arrives on a new plane, it's like stepping through a door. And the first thing he feels, that smooth dais, is 
Not the heavy footfall of a cowboy boot, no gold toe flashing in the bright, beautiful sun, but studded and tied, covered in patchwork, leather tabby boots. He looks down, and before even glancing around, he pulls from his side the hat that he just took off. And while it is very similar, it has two black tassels that hang just in front of his ears as he situates it on his face, and he can feel them, and they blow slightly in the breeze. On his shoulders sits a blue, black, and gray kimono decorated with a teal shashiko embroidery in the shape of plumage and a green-hued, almost black hakama underneath it. He wears a black quiver that hangs from his shoulders and then is attached to a very wide, black, detailed leather belt. It all kind of hangs off him like he's been wearing this for an entire lifetime. In his hand, the first thing he goes looking for isn't a rifle. It's not hidden in some folds of clothes. It isn't in a holster or a sling. In his hand is a blackwood composite bow inlaid and carved with an array of birds. And on his hip, he can hear the sound of an entire quiver of large, thick arrows. They have dagger-like heads and fletchings with a half-moon pressed against a black sky. And he runs his thumb over it. And on his right finger, he has a silver ring that covers the tip of his thumb, and it clacks against the arrows. Huh. That's different. And finally, he looks around, Seer, Lumira here, and he pauses... There's only three of us now. Only three of us, truly, as he looks around. And swirling into existence next to your party is your oracle. But instead of looking like an iridescent eight ball, as soon as it forms into reality, you see orange skin with a kind of pebbled exterior and a little stem peeking out on top with a little green leaf as your oracle resembles a floating orange. Wow, I love my new body. An orange? Huh, you look delicious. Oh, thank you. You're looking rather yummy yourself. Yes, an orange, why not? Uh, nothing. What exactly am I supposed to feed you now? I still like the ball bearings. Okay. Speaking of bearings, uh, what is happening here? Hello? Zainan, your voice rings out over this empty town square, sweeping past toppled over market stalls, past these beautiful plum and peach trees sweeping past their petals, past these administrative buildings and echoes and falls over the edge of this platform and drops dead, down hundreds of feet into the next layer of the city. I didn't mishear the hand, right? This is meant to be an S-rank plane? Yeah. Where is everyone? Well, I guess it'll make it a lot easier to find who we're looking for. I suppose. Starting to have that inclination, that hunter instinct begins to kick in and Zainan steps forward off the dais to kind of really look at the market leavings that are around. 
Yes. So as each of you start to really get your bearings and look more closely at the area around you, there is the immediate town square with its administrative buildings, toppled over market stalls. It appears the dais itself that you arrived on, which under closer inspection seems rather intricate and detailed. And then there's that bridge to your east, which branches off like several thousand feet. So you can't really see the other floating plaza that it connects to, but you know it definitely goes somewhere. These are the major landmarks in your vicinity. Where would you like to go first, looking for clues? I think the market stalls really catch Zion's interest, especially if they look toppled over. Like, that could be the sign of some sort of chaos, maybe a fight. Anything that, you know, shows a sign of people. Sure. Zainan, you make your way to the market stalls. What about Sayer and Lumira? I think Lumira also is wildly intrigued at the fact that there's nobody here. So kind of similar to Simon, she's going to start looking around areas that look like they should be highly populated and look for tracks, footprints, anything that shows any semblance of someone being here at any point in time. Sure. So maybe just casting a general gaze over the square, trying to get a bird's eye view of hubbub population, any track of anyone anywhere. Okay. What about you, Sayer? The little hunter saddles up towards Zainan, who is looking over the potential idea. And I think he catches Zainan's eyes for a moment, understanding intrinsically he's been taught by Pan Artemis as well. He too was taught to hunt. If something happened, folks would flee. If things are toppled over, then they might have run. So Sayir would specifically look for little alleys, avenues, nooks where people would hide or seek shelter if there was something that had happened, kind of jumping off of Zainan's immediate investigative point. Okay, sounds good. So let's actually circle back to Zainan first as you approach the market stalls. I'll tell you a basic description of what you can just ascertain, and then you're gonna have to turn to a move if you wanna peer a little bit deeper. So these stalls, some of them have toppled over, others are fully erect uh, on like four legs or wheels. Some of them look uh, mobile, others look semi-permanent. Something you do notice though, no matter where you turn, and this is immediate to all of you, is that it's extremely festive. Your eyes fall on decorations that hit every part of this town square. You see lanterns, you see flags, you see glowing wooden cutouts of clouds and dragons hanging from the eaves of the administrative buildings, hanging off of the overhangs of market stalls, every doorstep, every threshold. You even see on the ground around you burnt out firecracker shells and some dead sparklers. And these stalls, some of with their goods spilled onto the tiled floor seem to be stocked with festive items. You see little wooden dolls uh, that look like they've been hand-painted with care, that look like they have these ceremonial masks on painted over their wooden faces. You also see a stall full of just firecrackers that's spilled onto the side with a couple of them having burnt out and in almost like a crimson pool around itself. You see another stall filled with fruits and vegetables, several of which look rather wilted and slightly rotted, right? But this this was not just a regular market square. These stalls were brought here for some sort of festive or ceremonial purpose. And the festivities don't just remain in this market square. As you cast your gaze out to the east, you see that the bridge itself in the near distance seems to be decorated with lanterns as well. 
and have abandoned vehicles on top of the bridge. So Zainan, where would you like to look closer? I think there's a familiarity to the uh, the stalls with all of the the food, even if it is spoiled, and he understands growing things. So I think his instinct is to go and look into like how long that's been there and maybe what have, might have caused someone to just abandon it. Okay, so are you just using your eyes to take a look around or are you trying to tap into something, <laughs> some of your abilities or your powers? I think he's always drawing on this thread from the past. He was taught by some of the best people in Kaseki to look at food, to analyze his surroundings. And so I'd like to to pitch the first move. Yes, excellent. So for arc two, we are playing City of Mist. City of Mist is an urban fantasy mystery game where players embody ordinary people blessed with extraordinary powers who investigate strange cases in the titular city that's with a capital C. So in the canon of this game, the city is a modern noir landscape. It's vaguely westernized with cars and trains and chain-smoking sleuths. But in our version of the city, i.e. the city of heaven, our aesthetic and tonal touchstones are, of course, my personal take on ciencia and medieval Chinese fantasy. The game itself is powered by the apocalypse, which is the name of a game engine. Long story short, when players want to do stuff that has an uncertain outcome, they make capital M moves. To make a move, they say how they try to do something and roll two six-sided dice, also abbreviated as 2d6, plus any relevant modifiers. In City of Mist, the modifiers are known as power tags, which add bonuses, weakness tags, which subtract bonuses, and statuses, which, depending on the kind of status, whether positive or negative, can either add or subtract bonuses. There are a lot more rules than that, but that's enough of that for now. I'm going to do a deeper delve into the system at the beginning of next episode, but for now, let's just keep the game moving. So, Zynan, which of your power tags would you like to invoke to help you with the investigate move here? I have two. So specifically, Zynan has a tag called a student of the before. Ooh. All the things he's learned from the people in his life, in his past... He carries them with him. And so kind of tapping into that learning from Kiseki and tied into that as well as he's a survivalist. He knows how to walk up to something really strange and be like, hmm, what caused this? Can I eat this? Yes, no? Okay, yes, I think that makes sense. Sayer, I see you have your hand raised. Yes, I would like to change the game and I want. I would like to use my abilities to give my friend over here an advantage or attempt to have to roll plus some tags. I specifically want to tie into the fact that this is the plan. We're supposed to be tracking someone. So this is part of the plan. And I would like to use my how to, I know how to hunt from my little hunter training. Okay, so that was a lot of rules jargon that I'm going to take another quick second to explain. So basically, in City of Mist, rules as written, when you want to help a crewmate with an action, you need to spend a resource called Juice. In order to generate Juice, you need to make a move called Change the Game. This move works just like any other move, so Sahir is going to roll 2d6 plus modifiers. As you just said, you are invoking the plan, which is a power tag related not to Sahir, but to your capital C 
crew, i.e. Strike Team Nova as a whole. Power tags related to the crew are crispy, which means they are burnt as soon as they're used. A burnt tag is unavailable until special actions or moved are invoked to clear them. So in other words, you can't spam the same crew-based power tags over and over and over again on various moves, though you can do that with your individual power tags to get a nice bump to your modifiers. So, Sayer, you also mentioned invoking a power tag under Little Hunter, which is one of your character themes. We're going to cover character themes in more depth at the beginning of next session, but for now, let's get right back to the action. So that's going to be 2d6 plus 2 for the plan and one of your power tags under Little Hunter. 2d6 plus 2. Okay, that's not the greatest. Um, that is <laughs> oh, no. an eight total. Okay, an eight. That's actually not bad. Okay. So in City of Mist, a seven, eight, or nine is what's known as a soft hit. Basically, you achieve your goal, but there's usually a complication of some kind, or you don't get as much as you would have on a 10+. plus. So I'm just going to read out the text for the move, Change the Game, and explain what each portion of it means. It says, when you use your abilities to give yourself or your allies an advantage, roll plus power. So power here is shorthand for all the modifiers you might attach to your role, your power tags, any statuses, etc. In this case, it is a plus two. The move goes on to say, on a hit, you gain juice equals power. This means you get a number of juice, remember that's that resource I mentioned earlier, equivalent to how many modifiers you attach to the role. So in this case, that's a two. Next, the move says, spend your juice to gain the following effects one to one. Create a story tag burn a power tag or a story tag, and give or reduce a status by one tier per point of juice. So those are the three options you have when you hit with change the game. That first option is to create a story tag, which is an object, a magical effect, or an aspect of the environment that you can use to your advantage just like a power tag. Story tags can also change the narrative in your favor. So for example, you can spend one juice to make up one story tag called Magical Rain or Master Key or Mind Control Device, as long as the method you use to create the story tag could conceivably generate it. That second option under change the game is to burn a power tag or a story tag. Basically, this lets you destroy a story tag that's already in play or burn someone else's power tag so they can't use it to modify their roles until they take a special action to recover it. The third and final option is to give or reduce a status by one tier per point of juice. So what this means is you can create a status, which is a temporary effect or feeling to affect the situation at hand. So for example, you can make up a status called tired or inspired or shocked, as long as the method you used to create the status could conceivably generate it. Just like with story tags, statuses can be used to modify roles positively or negatively. It's up to you. That third option also lets you reduce a status, which is basically a way for you to heal yourself or a crewmate. Statuses have tiers, which are levels of severity, ranging from one to six. So tired one means something very different from tired five. 
But let's not get too deep into the weeds here, especially since I'm currently and actively working on a very special hack of City of Mist to fit our playstyle and the themes of Arc 2. So this hack is going to do away with some of the crunchier subsystems in this game, like juice, clues, extra themes, dramatic moments, etc. I'm also going to edit a lot of the pre-existing moves just to make them more emotionally and narratively focused, as well as write some brand new moves that will fit our table's vibe and the themes of Arc 2. But for now, let's use the rules as written. So going back to your move, Sayer, you got an eight on change the game. So which of these three options would you like to go for? Would you like to create a story tag, burn a power tag or a story tag, or give or reduce a status by one tier per point of juice? Creating a story tag would be really fun. I have a suggestion for helping Zynan, like physically investigate. There's a bunch of toppled over stuff. You're a big, strong boy. I am a big, strong boy. Yeah, so maybe the story tag that I would create is like removing like stonework or something like that or something similar to that. Would that work? Yes. Yes, the story tag can be uprighted stalls. Yeah. Right? As you go around and you fix the stalls, that could be the story yeah. tag you're creating. Okay, yeah, yeah let's do it. Uh, so you still have one juice remaining that you can still spend as long as it's still a part of this action or it mm -hmm. expires if you have no other ideas for how to use it. Yeah, we don't have a status that's happening though. So I don't think that I could give one. Okay, what status? What tag are you assigning the status? I might need ideas on that as well. I'm trying to think. Spotter. It could be something like, yeah. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Like you're spotting... For Zynan, because you're 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 hunting, so it's like, you know, you have someone else Ooh. looking. That's an idea. So I think uh, what Sayer would do after he cleans up the stalls to have kind of like eliminate all of the potential ideas of is it toppled over? What happened? And clearing the field for Zynan, he loops round in a very bright fashion, in a very chosen fashion. He swings around one of the posts and tries to look ahead past the stone bridge to see if we see anything past that and try to be a herald or most design and spot what's ahead. Sounds good. So Zion, you can now invoke the story tag upright stalls as well as spotter one for your status. Uh, as <laughs> long as the status will persist for as long as the two of you are working together. If you ever break apart or go in investigate individually, that status will expire. So that's another plus two to your role, Zion. Ooh, okay. So that's a 13 with all of that beautiful help. A 13 counts as a strong hit. So basically anything that's a 10 or above is the best possible results you could get in this game. So just like with change the game, I'm going to read out the investigate move and explain what it means. It says, when you use your abilities to seek answers to burning questions, roll plus power. On a hit, you get clues equal power. Spend your clues one-to-one -to, -one to ask the MC a question about the subject of your investigation or ask another player a relevant question about their character. They must give you either a straight answer or a solid lead. So, clues. Just like Juice, clues are a resource in City of Mist that you can spend to progress your investigation. So how they work in this game is exactly as the investigate move states. You spend clues one-to-one -to, -one to ask me, as the game master, a question about the investigation at hand. You can also ask another player questions about their character if you so choose to invoke PvP. And again, just as a reminder, I am currently working on a hack of City of Mist that revamps Juice and Clues for Arc 2, edits the pre-existing moves, and introduces some brand new moves as well. So don't hold on too tightly to how the game plays here. But for now, let's just do it. Rules as written. Zynan, 
Because your modifier to this role was a plus four, thanks to Sayer, that means you get to ask me up to four questions about the mystery at hand. You can either ask them all right now or hold on to your clues until you get just a little bit more information. However, if you leave the scene where you got the clues or if the method you use to obtain those clues is no longer relevant, then those clues will expire as rules as written. So it's not a bad idea to spend them as soon as you get them. So what would you like to do? I'm going to start with one and then I'm going to chew on some. But I think that the thing that Zynan is itching to learn immediately, especially with Sierra going around and upwriting all the stalls, is how long ago did this happen? Based on the lightly decaying fruits from the toppled over stands and on the sprinkling of dust across various polished festive surfaces, you can tell that it's been about a week since everyone apparently vanished without a trace. That's the first question. You have three left. You want to ask any more? Not just yet. Okay. So we're going to actually pan across these stalls to find Lumira. Lumira, as the boys are working together in tandem, you're casting your eagle eye over this entire town square. And something I think that's catching you about uh, footsteps, footprints, markings is, yeah, you see clues, remnants of where people might have been. You see tracks in the dust, right? The floor around you is stone, so there's not exactly any imprints, but there are fruit trees around. And in the dirt around the fruit trees, you see some footsteps that tracking with what Zion just discovered seem about a week old or so. And there must have been people everywhere here. People on the dais, people by the market stalls, people coming in and out of the administrative buildings, people going over the bridge, coming in through the bridge. This entire place was alive with activity. I have an idea. Yes. I have a relic. Okay. That's got some pretty fun stuff in it that I can use, and I would love to go on ahead and use it. Okay. My pocket watch has a nifty little tag called Flashes of History. (laughs) All right. And I would like to use that just to see if I can get just like a glimpse of what possibly happened here a week ago. Absolutely. So is there a specific part of the town square you'd like to focus on or would you like to get a broad feeling? I think specifically whatever the the section of town that had like am I close enough to like where the stalls are where like Yeah, they're all around I'm, you. Okay, yes, yeah. Precisely. Um I want to look there. Like I'm I'm focusing on highly populated areas. However, I don't think Lumira knows this is what she's doing. Okay. So instead, it looks like she's just thinking and nervously fidgeting with her pocket watch. Okay. So I think that's still an investigate move, even though you're not quite aware of what's happening. So that's going to be a plus one if you're just using the flashes of history tag. Okay. All right, go for it. Roll 2d6. And that gets burned, right? No, no, it's just invoked. Only crew power tags are burned as soon as they're invoked, and you're using an individual power tag related to your character, so go for it. Cool, 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 cool. All right, so 2d6 plus one. Nine? That's a soft hit, yes. So you get clues equal power. You get one clue. So... First, let me describe what happens, though. You're fiddling with the pocket watch, and subconsciously, perhaps, your thumb goes over to the stopper and clicks it. 
And this isn't necessarily an unusual thing you do. It's part of your fidgeting. You, you click it occasionally, but when you do, for the half a second that the stopper is down before your thumb lifts off of it again, you are in a town square poof, that is suddenly surrounded by people. You see people everywhere. There's dozens of people, even a hundred people flitting around in this town square. You see merchants setting up stalls, chattering with each other. You see divine beasts floating through the air. These strange potato-shaped, six-limbed, winged, faceless creatures floating in herds like little crimson clouds, murmuring in a strange, melodic tune to each other. You see people of all configurations, all kinds of robes, all kinds of hairstyles, all kinds of makeup, but all of them look festive, gabbling with each other, talking, bartering, setting up stalls, going in and out of administrative buildings, and then as soon as your thumb lifts off of it, there's a big, sudden swooshing of, what is that, mist? And then everyone's gone. What question would you like to ask? Holy shit. Um, You get one, my dear Lumira. Make it count. Above table, is there any remnants of mist that's still around? Like, is it still just in the area or no? No, it's a bright, sunny daytime. There's really no mist around here at all. Cool. Okay, back on table. Where did that mist go? Only a single word comes to you as your mind reaches for answers. A word that rises through the memory of that mist that obscured your mind's eye. And that word is simply inside. Sayer, you were trying to look for where people would hide. Given the fact that you're now tying yourself to Zainan, assisting mm. him, you get the same sense as Lumira, which is everyone would be everywhere constantly. There are this linear array of courtyards that connects each of the five administrative buildings that surround this plaza. Mm -hmm. Maybe people would go there, but not to hide, just to have private conversations, right? And you're kind of still lifting up market stalls, looking around, mm -hmm. helping Zion. Aside from that, what would you like to do individually? As Sayer is kind of like hooked onto like one of the pillars of one of these buildings to take a look around mm -hmm. as in between sort of fixing up all these market stalls he calls out to Zainan who's probably like just a few feet away after giving he would have shared that information of the layout that he's noticed and he turns over to Zainan still an arm hooked around the pillar Zainan I don't I don't see anyone but there are buildings folks might have retreated indoors if something's happened yeah uh Let's, uh... Zaina doesn't even finish the thought because he stops still looking at Seer being so open. It gives him pause. This whole situation since he's come back has been very open. Strange. But he just walks towards the doors of the buildings. And I'd like to spend my next clue to see if okay. I can find if anybody went in that direction. Is that your question? Did anyone go yeah, in that direction? Uh, like, did did <laughs> did people flee in the buildings? Yes, I'm asking very good questions. Did people flee into the buildings? You'd like to spend your clue to ask this. Basically filtering Sayre's question, yes. Okay. As you cast your gaze across the shadowy depths of the administrative buildings before you, scanning the tiled ramp for signs of mass ingress or exodus, you find nothing. No kicked up stones, no flurries of panic, no after images of bedlam. Wherever the people of this place went, it wasn't indoors. 
And it wasn't anywhere outdoors either. They're simply just gone. Poof. As though they've vanished into thin air. Uh-oh, I don't like that. No one's around. Lumira comes back after looking around. Listen, I know that this may sound a bit out there, but I think that mist had something to do with why this town is empty. You mean the the verdancy of this planet, that mist? An oversimplification, but yes. Well, what did you see, Lumira? It, the town was bustling full, full of people, and then the mist came out of nowhere. And that was it. Everyone, this is what we have left. They vanished? I don't know. All I can tell you is the bits and pieces that I saw. No, that's great. That's a definitive lead, though. We know that something external has interrupted the festivities. That's a lead. Now we just need to figure out if anyone is left after this external influence. I mean, this is the realm of, of, of gods. There must be someone who might have found a way out of this, surely. Yeah, I'd like to believe that. And Zaiden kind of leaves the buildings and kind of goes back to the market stalls and begins to look just kind of out past the bridges as far as he can see, essentially, looking for any movement at all. Does he see any movement? This place is as silent and still as a grave. He's going to keep digging and he's going to see if he can find any information about any like writing about where people might be, any kind of indication as to who was here. Sure. Would you like to have one of your next questions, your third clue, be about parsing the writing or perhaps any symbology in the area? Yes. Is there any writing here that might indicate people, where they might be, etc.? Yes. I'm going to give you a straight answer. So there are characters in divine calligraphy written on these flags. And thanks to the multiversal translator translator, uh, that the oracle washes over all of you, you can understand these characters. They all say one thing, emperor's virtue. That's what all these flags are saying. These lanterns with their brush strokes upon it. Even some small wooden placards are being sold at now uprighted market stalls that say Emperor's Virtue, Emperor's Virtue. This festivity, this celebration had something to do with something known as the Emperor's Virtue. Another set of symbols that draws your eyes, Ayn, and that seems interesting, is the raised stone dais that all of you teleported in on. You notice that it's very intricate. It seems very magical. And in fact, you see sigils forming a circle around this dais with ancient letters that roughly translate to the proclamation of the arrival of new gods. Across the stone surface of this dais are four letters that spell out Ascension Gate. One of Artemis's sentences rings in your head about how some of the most persistent, talented, skilled, and dedicated cultivators are able to achieve immortality and ascend to godhood. And this dais that all of you have now stepped off of seems to be perhaps one of the portals linking Yaolan up to the city of heaven, but only after a cultivator has reached that specific kind of status. There is something rather amiss about it, though. 
this dais thrums with something that feels bottled, but without spending another clue, you won't know exactly what it is. I think looking over the dais, Zynan kind of runs his finger over it and then specifically signals Lumira to come over. Hey. What do you need? What do you make of all this? Artemis said something about cultivators, right? Once they become able to be gods, they... This, I mean, this looks exactly like at least part of that process. Do you think it has anything to do with all of this? I don't know, but there's quite a lot of ritual happening here that isn't answering anything about mists. And I think as he stands there and kind of puts his thumbs on his hips, he is going to kind of stare deeper to try and understand what is what is going on here. I'm going to spend that last clue with on on what what's this what's going on with this dais? What's going on here? The ascension gate is sealed. There's an oppressive feeling over the stone. And as you really try to tap into that sensation, it feels, yeah, like it's been bound. Something, someone, some force, something has occurred to basically render it unusable. So no one can go through it, either to ascend or go down to Yaolan from the city of heaven. Lumira sees Zainan kind of put his hand on it, almost like he's expecting there to be something to even stop him from touching it. It is so oppressive. And he looks back at her. Something's, something's wrong here. These planes are tied together. You should be able to freely pass between the two gates. Gates locked. Lumira kind of drops down to her knees and tries to, if there's anything that's covering like any of the sigils that are over on the side, she's like brushing away at it with her hands, kicking pebbles over like gently with her foot if there's any like mud or stuff like that. There's just a light film of dust enough that would suggest maybe seven-ish, maybe eight days have passed without anyone coming through the area and sweeping it, but that's it. And as your hands go over the dust, right, you feel the magical energy humming under your palm and a just as powerful seal, right, preventing it from being unleashed. Whoa. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's at work here, but whatever locked this is powerful. There's a hum underneath here that is finely tuned, but there's something that's caging it, almost. Something way stronger. Someone powerful doesn't want any movement. Someone powerful wants no more ascension. Well, there's only one truly highest authority as far as we know. And Zaiden looks to the banners and the papers and all the bunting of a festival. Emperor's virtue, huh? Wonder if uh, Long Du has anything to do with this. You see Sayer kind of contemplate really deeply, and there's a moment where he stares into the dais and that, I think like an aura of desperation kind of like tickles around his tattoo, and he feels that pull to try something, to maybe glean something, an omen. But as soon as he feels that mask falter, he silences it. No, no, no. 
And I think as he immediately does that, I would like to... I don't think it will actually work here, actually, now that I've read it properly. I was looking at finally some answers, because we did spend clues to find answers to some of the mystery that we are currently unlocking. I was wondering if I could use this somehow to link this to my omen, but reject it to try and move the store, move the attention onto the mystery. Yes. You know what? You've you've suppressed. You can feel the part of you that speaks omens welling up inside of you as Lumira and Zionin are talking back and forth, back and forth. And you know that if you opened up your mind to let it in, you might get something out of it, but you suppress it. You stamp it down. Mm -hmm. So I need you to mark fade on probably omen speaker. Yeah, I would mark fade on that. So fade is a mechanic in City of Mist that is related to your mythos, which is the part of your character that defines the magical mythical things you can do. If you ignore that part, right? If you don't let it break out, if you don't feed it, then you mark fade on it. And if you've marked fade three times, then something bad happens to that part of you. Ooh, amazing. Now that I've done that, it says here that once I've linked the mystery to my mythos, I can mark attention on the theme which this mystery belongs. I'm shocked by the discovery to the point of rejecting my mythos, which is the, the fading bit, and my questions are answered. How many questions do I get to ask you, Connie? That particular move is for when you have like definitive mm. answers about what's happening here. You're kind of gotcha. just peeling back layers, the very first mm. layers of this mystery. You can still mark fade because of what has just occurred mm -hmm. within you, but we're not everybody? gonna, the current what's mystery is where the hell is everybody? Right? We haven't solved that yet. my yeah. omens. Yeah. And yes. I think, so remind me again, so we have the dais that is meant for ascension. We have mm -hmm. also a path forward, we have a bridge, and does that link to a higher area? Yes. Mm. Yeah, so the bridge curves, right? It goes up, it has an apex, and then it presumably descends and links this town square to another floating platform, maybe like a half a mile to a mm. mile away. Uh, but from just based on how far away the bridge is, all you can kind of see is up to where it curves to the apex. You don't see a drop down. Sayer looks over to Zainan and Lumira, and I think you see his like eyes, the pupils of his bright blue eyes like widen for a moment. And then he just like clears his throat and shakes his head for a moment. His tail slows and he turns over to all of, to the both of you and he says, well, this path is blocked. No one said anything about walking upward. Maybe there's a, a different area, somewhere we can sneak in. Take a better look. Zainan is fully staring at Sayer when he turns around. He is analyzing all of their nuanced action because in the past, this is where the fire comes from and the strange sentences that don't match with the conversation. Right? I mean, if this place is desolate and quiet, then further up, we might see what's going on, maybe get a peek. And if it is blocked, maybe there's a different way to undo. Sir, did you, did you see some? See something? You know, did you... The thing a, that you do. Yeah. Oh, that. Uh, no. No, I don't. Um, uh, and like Sayer like licks the top of his index finger, puts it up to the air, takes a deep breath in and exhales. No, no, I don't feel any, um, any omens here. I don't really feel any of that right now. Um, which is why I'm, uh, thinking we should, uh, head upwards. Maybe there's a different area that Lumira could take a look at, and that, I mean, 
you always say to me, Lumiran, that if there's one area of magic that's blocked, there's always another way, right? Lumira looks just briefly, oddly impressed that you listen and remember. But that mask, as soon as it appears, it slips right back down. Right, Sayer. Smart. And she will turn and gesture for them to go ahead. I follow your call. And Sayer looks back at Zainan, kind of trying to parse through whatever door that he stands behind. Shakes it off. This is not the time. Uh, and he adjusts his cloth across his uh, torso, adjusts the fabric, and says, All right, I'll take point, just in case there's anything else lurking or the mist shows up. Gotcha. And I will take point, and I will begin marching across this bridge and help lead Nova upwards. Before they walk on, Sinan looks over to Lumira like, Did you just see that? Lumira just looks at Sayer a bit confused but also she has that look you know that look when she's on a mission it's very tunnel vision so she gestures for you to follow behind Sayer I'll carry up the back Zainan dips his hat just walks Okay, Strike Team Nova, led by Sayer with Zionin and finally Lumira, bringing up the lead, you start to cross the bridge. So this is one of the smaller bridges in the City of Heaven, relatively speaking. It's not big enough to hold like a miniature city with buildings and courtyards, but it's certainly wide enough to support at least eight to 10 lanes of traffic, easy. As you continue walking up these huge marble flagstones, you notice that the bridge in front of you arches up very gently and then again, presumably down to connect the square that you're leaving behind to another plaza. But again, the view of the other side is blocked by the, the huge span of the bridge and how it ascends all the way to the top. As you walk, you notice that this festive atmosphere extends to this empty bridge. There are lanterns on every strut of the balustrades. You see burnt out sparklers and firecracker shells on the ground. You even see ox carts with no drivers, no oxen, and a lot of palanquins with broken ribs from where they presumably just smashed onto the ground and then toppled over. There are more palanquins than you might expect here. And usually palanquins are vehicles of some prestige. They usually carry some important people inside. And there's quite a lot of them on this bridge. Well, something big just got interrupted over here. The animals are gone too. And they just left everything. I want to look in the cars, like the ones sure. that are near. I would definitely want to look in, inside, see if there's any type of evidence of like someone, is there belongings that are left behind? Did it look like someone fleed in, in fear or was it or did was it intentional? Is there any traces behind? Are you going toward the ox carts or the fancier palanquins? <laughs> fancier palanquins, duh. <laughs> okay, yeah, as Lumira cuts across to these vehicles, what about Zion and Zayar? So Lumira saying to us the palanquins, they're ox carts. I actually want to go further ahead, just so if there is danger ahead, because if there's danger ahead, I should be there. That's my job. That's my role here on Striking Nova. He looks over to Zainan and gives him a nod and 
tilts his head over to ahead of the path. So yeah, I'll I'll go and investigate further ahead and see what's going on. Sounds good. Yeah. So you're you scout ahead. What about you, Zynan? Zynan was gonna stop and help Lumira, but then when Sayer's like, I'm gonna go ahead, Zynan's like, okay. And he, uh, mid-thought, turns and goes towards the ox cart. (laughs) Excellent. Let's start with Lumira. So there are multiple palanquins, and you peer through as many as you can to find as many clues as you can get your hands on. So all of them, as you kind of like go from place to place to place, you see gold-plated wood, you see vermilion decorations, you see soft silk cushions. Like, this is cushy stuff. Like, this is really expensive. It's really nice. And a couple of them, you're kind of like fiddling around with, you know, knobs and shelves and compartments. You find a particular palanquin with a compartment underneath where the person would sit on. So it's like underneath where their legs would go. You pull it open to find all sorts of goodies. Like you see bolts of silk, you see bright glimmering gems. Uh, You even see like reams and reams of of prayer paper written in golden calligraphy. They seem like magical blessings. Are you gonna take any of that? I'm looking at you, (laughs) Sam. (laughs) Sam, what are you speaking over there? Maybe not take, maybe just like peruse one of the (laughs) peruse one of the the, the like the, the prayer scrolls see if it's anything noticeable yeah as you shuffle through the reams of paper you see blessings they're all different but they're all very auspicious they're like fortune for 10,000 years right like good luck and good health stuff like that right something you would give someone or put on your doorway to invite good things interesting these people know how to live <laughs> With that, we pan over to Zynan. You go over to the you go over to the ox carts. Uh, one of them in particular has toppled onto its side and has spilled a crate of precious riches across the bridge. You see golden nuggets just glimmering on the path in front of you. Again, bolts of silk, tangerines. Uh, you also see bowls of rice that have spilled, and the rice has fallen all over the place. You also see vegetables. And something inside you pings. Uh, a, a deep hidden part of you pings. Zaiden, have you ever been a religious man? No, <laughs> not really. Um, I think in a very like broad spiritualism sense, but never anything that was like a... I will say, he has a faithful belief in what he does with fate. So maybe that is the closest he actually comes. Sure. Then across your eyes, we see a a memory, a vision of Sing's altar in the Hall of Heroes with the brass tray and the offerings. We flash back here, you realize what these are that have spilled votive offerings from mortals to gods. Hmm. His fingers itch looking at all those shiny gems and gifts. (laughs) I think that his quieted demons get the better of him and he definitely picks up just a handful of riches. Okay, as you do, which ones are you drawn to? Like the nuggets and the gems? Uh, The nuggets and the gems. Okay, you pocket it. I'm going to give you a status that you're not aware of, uh, but you as a player will be aware of. It's Cursed 2. Perfect, thank you. You have taken offerings that do not belong to you. Okay. Yep. (laughs) We pan across the bridge to find Sayer. I am associated uh, with theft. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, stealing your sister's personality. <laughs> uh, you... <laughs> Ow. You run up the bridge. You scout ahead. You run past the palanquins, the ox carts, these abandoned vehicles, random stuff just flung all over the place. Something does strike you, though, as you're taking in the area around you as you scout ahead, which is there's no signs of violence. No signs of struggle anywhere. And this also stood out to you back at the town square. It was kind of like everyone just disappeared, right? It wasn't like someone came and slaughtered everyone. There's no blood, nothing. Even the things that are broken seem like they were in the middle of being set up and then the people setting them up vanished, so they smashed back down. Gotcha. And how far does this path, like, I'm looking ahead, I'm seeing that none of the violence is here, and I'm looking at the way the paths move. And as far as how far does my eye and my gaze cast before I have to kind of like move further ahead to know what's going on? Like, can I see? Because I know this is a tiered city. Can I look like upwards? Yes. And see if there's any activity? Yeah, sure. You see all around you huge granite peaks, like mountain peaks, soaring up even taller than the platforms you're on. And they round out. Some of them are like several hundred feet above your head. You look over the edge of the bridge and you see other platforms several hundred feet beneath you. And this city is like multi-tiered and you're somewhere in the middle, right? And no matter where you look, aside from the occasional passing cloud, right? The whispering of wind, the, the trickling of water, like great bright veins spindling their way across the city of heaven, you don't see any movement. Okay. You do, however, see something interesting as you continue moving forward. You walk for about a quarter mile, and then you see the apex of the bridge in front of you, and you see that at the very top of the bridge, there is a 80-foot-wide hole just blasted through the stone. Great. So how far am I from, my, from, uh, from Nova <laughs> right now? A quarter mile? Quarter mile. quarter mile. I think my voice carries a little bit. So <laughs> Sayer uh, stands there and stares at this hole. And he stares at it and stares at it. That darkness feels familiar. He feels like falling. <sighs> Ooh, not there. We're not going there. Nova! Nova, I found something! Lemira actually was in the middle of transcribing some of these prayer scrolls in her notebook. More specifically, the big flourishing letters at the top of her notebook is the exact same transcription of fortune for 10 years in her notebook. And when she hears Sayer, she quickly finishes and closes it and starts running towards him. Come on. I'm coming. You catch up very quickly and you see exactly what Seer sees, which is this huge fucking hole blasted in the middle of the bridge, like a yawning chasm between where you're standing and the other side. There's a hole here. Please tell me you found this. You don't say. <laughs> I, I, and Sayer like looks at the both of them and I was like, I didn't do anything. I just walked up here and it was here. I swear. That's fine. I tilt over and look downwards. Can I investigate and see what I see down there? Yeah, you don't even need to roll anything for that. As you kind of tilt over, you see like a dizzying hundred foot drop to the next layer of the city. And there's no pool of water directly underneath it or anything convenient like that. It's just like stone. 
You do notice something else though, all three of you do, kind of simultaneously. Because there's no sound aside from your own voices, every errant noise that does pass prickles all of your senses instantly. And all of you hear a kind of like low humming, crackling noise that for a second throws all three of you back atop Storm Chaser, the humming of the Voltaic Runners, and then you're back here and your eyes are drawn to a spear, a beautiful brass spear, kind of just cast off to the side along with the rest of the rubble from this area, wedged between a rock and a smaller rock. And it's kind of sparking. We'll take spear. Do not touch anything here. Oh. Both Zaiden and Sayer, I think, both their faces like fall. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we both had the same idea of like, oh. Yeah, I think some of this are, these are offerings to the gods here. You think that spear in the giant hole is an offering? (laughs) No, but I do think that that maybe belongs to someone who could possibly know something. Well, there's no one here to claim any of it. So whose is it if there's no one here? Are we not here? Then it's ours. Sarah kind of turns back to the both of them. It's like, well, regardless, we do we should take a look at this, right? And he his eyes are desperate with a, a a deep sense of pleading. He's never afforded this role of peacemaker, and this is a outfit that is ill-fitting upon him. And he looks at the both of you, why I no, I get it. We shouldn't touch it. It looks and he looks back at the sparking humming spear sat precariously between two rocks. It looks Precarious. Useful. Yes. But before we can decide whether it's useful or dangerous, we should get a better look. Right? All right. I don't need you manning battles for me, Sayer. You know that, correct? I know. Not manning any battles. Just a suggestion of the way forward. We're a team. We'll all listen. If we say that we shouldn't touch things, then uh, we won't touch any more things. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Every time me and you speak, Zynan, Sayer tingles. Hmm. And I can see it. You may think you are subtle, but you're not. I know you. Are you worried that I'm going to start something with Zynan while we have a mission? And if you are, when has that ever been in my character, Sayer? Lumira. And like the mass falters a moment. Lumira, no, that's not what I'm trying. And then with that exhale, the mask is put back on. It's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just trying to keep us on task, that's all. And I don't, it is not in your character. You're right. You don't start things. But rather than debate whether or not a spear is dangerous or not, I just thought, maybe we just go look. Right? Everyone's happy. We achieve our goal. If it's useful, we take it. If it's dangerous, we leave it alone, muster what clues we get, and keep moving. As we do. As Nova. Lumira smiles, grinning almost. It is saccharine, sappy, but does not meet her eyes. Okay. Question is how we want to get there safely. What do you think, Sinan? I, uh... He holds his bow, and he looks around 80 feet, right? Mm-hmm. It's an 80-foot mm-hmm. hole. 
Mm-hmm. And he's going to look around for some rope. There's so much rope, Zynan, in all of these palanquins, these carts. It's so easy to find some rope. <laughs> yeah. He goes and he picks up not one bundle of rope, but like you see him walk over and he just grabs and coils it up, grabs another and coils it up, grabs another Wait, and coils it up. Wait, I have a very important up. question, Zynan. Yeah. Did you get the rope from a palanquin or from an ox cart? Oh, no. I think he gets it from the ox cart because he trusts okay. that that one's got, that one's made for animals. Yes, okay, then it's 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 regular hemp and rope. Okay. And he gets enough. Um, he gets three. And he pulls three of those very heavy arrows, ties the end on one, ties another one, and ties another one. And he is going to try and shoot a rope bridge across. <laughs> okay, that's definitely going to be a move. I think it's going to be take the risk uh, or change the game. I think maybe change the game makes more sense. Actually, yeah. So when you use your abilities to give yourself or your allies an advantage, which is rope, rope bridge, uh, roll plus power. <laughs> so which tags are you invoking? He has a beautiful bow in his hand, the birdsong bow. And boy, mm. as a as a possession, it is quite something. So the bow, he's gonna try and aim for a sturdy point to anchor the arrows in using his dead eye. He knows how to use this equipment. He's quick and nimble with it, even though he has not exactly been known for shooting a bow. So all three power tags for the birdsong bow. Okay, that's a plus three. I'm gonna invoke a status. I'm gonna invoke cursed two. Yep. As you string the bow and try to aim it and fire it, something kind of at the last moment, where which pocket did you store the the stolen gems in? I think they're in they're like literally tucked into his kimono in the belt, like where you would hide something okay. in an OB. Then something as soon as you like are at the apex of the draw and release, something by the belt seems to burn almost and kind of cause you to waver a bit. So that's just a plus one. One. Go as for it. it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> What did you get? What did you get? It's it, so it would have been without the uh, poor life choices of Mr. Zynanesh, we would have been at a eight. Okay. But without it, it does clear to a six, and that's it. That's a miss. That's a miss. <laughs> yeah. That's a miss. Okay. It's worthless. This is what happens. You draw the bow back. You feel that strange burning sensation, like a pocket of pure red against your sash. That's what it is, blazing pure vermilion. And you let go of the three arrows and they all arc across. And instead of anchoring themselves into the cement, all three of them hit the spear on the other side of the bridge. And at first, nothing happens. And then it feels like the entire world explodes as Magical energy emanates outward from this spear, sweeps across the bridge, crumbles part of it underneath your feet and on the other side. We see huge flagstones, chunks of stone falling down that thousands of feet drop and the stones underneath your own feet begin to crumble. All three of you are also battered, like you're pushed with thunderous force, maybe like 30 feet, you're flung back, which is a good thing because you would have fallen down otherwise if you had not been flung back to a safer area. And as all of you hit the ground and roll, 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 energy sparking off your form from like the thunderous storm-like power that that spear emanated, you gather your bearings and you see that the hole has been widened by like a factor. 
through too. It's now 160 feet across. And I need all of you to take the status for now, um, battered, battered one. It was an interesting idea. <laughs> you see, he's not even, he's not even really uh, secretive about it. He, you see him reach into the full, the many layers that he's wearing and pull out a handful of what is very obviously like golden gems and just throws them. <laughs> Back towards the cart. <laughs> so, Zayden, you just grab them. They are literally burning hot. It's like holding onto hot iron nuggets that have just been pulled out of the smelting furnace. Um, so you burn your hand if you're just gonna yeah. barehand it. Yeah, and you, you throw them. They're still glowing like like hot coals. So I need you to take a burned right hand status. Uh, that's a tier one. Got it. Everything's going fine, guys. Everything's going great and fine. So the, whoa, it's widened to 160 feet. <laughs> that's true. Yes, that's correct. But good news is you can, you're no longer cursed because <laughs> the objects are not on your person. Don't touch the stuff. Sayer <laughs> uh, looks down and sees like you grasping onto your burning hand and with a, a soft smile, it's just like, noted, Zynan, noted. You all right though? Yeah, I'm fine. You say don't st- touch the stuff, and Lumira literally sits back, crosses her arms across her chest, and just looks at you. Eyebrow raised, just like, do I have to say it? Yeah, maybe avoiding the spear and not touching it. Definitely. But we still need to cross somehow. It's not the path forward. Is there... Is there any... Like, is there, if I just look around, is there any, like, idea of, like, a, a a door or, like, a pathway that can, like, lead down and around? Like, literally just any semblance of something other than shooting an arrow across <laughs> to yes. make a rope bridge. Yes, it was a great can... idea. It was a great idea. It was a great idea. How about this? As all of you kind of like stand back up and start looking around, thinking of alternative ways to cross this 160 foot gap, the static electricity in the air has started to die down, right? And like, oh, you're starting to like maybe begin to shake off the fact that you were just blasted onto the ground. And that's when all of you hear very faint, but starting to get louder, a honking noise. Like a bird honking noise or like a Or like horn. beep beep. Yeah. Why don't all of you just roll 2d6 for me? No. That's two ones. No. No. That's two twos. <laughs> Redemption already. Thank you, Dice. That's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sayer, Lumiere, you have no idea. Just it just It's like an indiscriminate honking. Zion, it sounds like a goose. Hmm. He immediately turns his head around to find the bird. There's a bird here. He's a bird guy. Where's the bird? Uh, it's getting louder. It's coming from the other side of the destroyed bridge. Uh, but it is getting louder. Whatever this this goose, this other entity that does exist, is seems to be approaching your party. And at a rather rapid rate, the noise is getting louder very quickly. He kind of points to the other two and points across the bridge. And he's going to like squint his eyes and try and see if he can see the goose. Yes. Connie. Is there a tree 
Is there a tree? Is there a large tree? Thick, thick trunk tree. You're on a bridge, but you know what? You know what? I think it could be fun if there was a tree on this bridge. Why not? Yes. Um, maybe 30 feet to your right, uh, as a decoration growing out of the right-handed balustrade is a beautiful, very well manicured peach tree. Is it long enough to maybe make a tree trunk bridge? <laughs> I think so. Yes. You would have to cut all of it down, though. Say looks the rest of Nova, pulls out his crescent blade, and, like, flicks it in his hand, looks at the tree, looks at the hole, looks back at Nova. Are you going to try to cut the tree down with your crescent blade, Sayer? That's the thought. Honk! 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 Hello? Hello! <laughs> <laughs> flapping its wings very aggressively and insistently is a goose, a regular goose with white feathers, a bill. Uh, it's, it's fluttering, half running, half flying a little bit, rather insistently. It looks flustered, aggressive. It stops at the edge of the bridge uh, on the other side, 160 feet away. And all of you see something fluttering in its wake. At first you think it's feathers, but then I realize they're much bigger and more rectangular than feathers. They're playing cards. And in the goose's bill is like a, a, a couple of playing cards that it's just, it's just like grabbed in its beak. Zidane whistles to it. Okay. It, it, it twists its small head uh, to the side to look at you when you whistle, catching your gaze across the bridge. And it opens its beak again. And you realize that the cards have been fluttering because it's been honking. And it lets out another honk, honk. Come here! I'm cutting down the tree. <laughs> Say you will cut down the tree. Zidon, I need you to convince uh, the goose to come across. We're gonna talk to Bird. Bird, good. Okay. Uh, so, so this what, is so this funny. Is what tags are you trying to invoke? Okay, so I actually, funny enough, I think have a move that will help with this, which is roguishly charming. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna try you are hard. not about to charm a fucking goose guy. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's a plus one. That's a plus one. I, I think that's all he's got. Go for it. Make that roll. For a goose. <laughs> hey, 11's not bad. She's got 11 on this roll, and as a sharpshooter, miss. This is so funny. Okay, 11, you said? Okay, that's a strong hit. So on a hit, you choose a relevant status with tier equals power. Your target can either choose to take the status or on a 10 plus change their agenda to include yours, at least for the time being. Okay, you know what? You don't even have to make a status. They're gonna, they're gonna change, this goose is gonna change its agenda to include yours. It's beady eyes fix on you. And then it kind of like ruffles its feathers up, you know, like kind of quirks its wings, you know, with its feet, bends and then launches itself off of the the edge, the 
broken edge of the bridge and starts soaring and flapping its wings in your direction, approaching you, cards still streaming across its beak in its wake. Sayer, you're trying to chop down a tree? Yes, because this honk, this this goose okay. is honking insistently over on the other side. So even though it's heading towards us, we still have no way to cross. So Sayer's gonna chop down this tree. That's true. You know what? In retrospect, a 160 foot tall tree is rather ridiculous. I think you have to chop down several mm -hmm. trees and like, like probably lay them across from each other. But I think I think that's gonna actually be a hit with all you've got move. So when you have a clear shot and use your abilities to hit someone or something with all you've got, it's the trees, uh, the peach and plum trees to be specific. Roll plus power. So what tags are you invoking? Crescent blades is one of my power tags because I am using it to okay. do that. This will not, this would not be a, a hunt, is it? Uh, how to hunt, absolutely not. It's a tree. It's a, it's a <laughs> fucking tree. I so. It's a tree. Uh, I do have trees. a power tag of bulwark, meaning that I'm big and strong. Can that help? Yes, that can. So that's plus two. I'm going to invoke the status battered one and say that you're still a little winded from getting blasted by that brass spear. So that's going to be a minus one. So it's a plus one total. Plus one total. Let's see. Oh, that's nice. That's a nine on the die. Ten. Okay. On a hit, you give the target an appropriate status of your choice with tier equals power. On a ten plus, choose two. You know what? I'm just going to rule that that means you're able to chop down as many trees as you want successfully. Like, when the goose arrives on your side of the bridge, you'll have, like, several felled trees that you're, you've, like, pulled off of the balustrade and laid down across the bridge. Can I- I'm gonna ask Kai permission for this. As you're, like, roguishly charming this goose over in our direction, Sayer's gonna, like, surreptitiously walk up by you, grab one of the hemp and rope that's, like, tied by your waist, and just- he's just gonna take that off of you and then begin- start tying this while you're trying to call this goose over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lumira, I need to know what you're doing while this is happening. I don't think Lumira has ever been more disgusted by just the, the pure he him energy that is being exe like executed across this team right now. You have one that's trying to raise a goose and the other one that's all lumberjack Sam. And Lumira just sits in the background and is like, I know I've missed Sing before, but I miss Sing so bad. She was a balance. Yeah. <laughs> she was a balance to all of this. This is atrocious. But hey, no hard labor. So. <laughs> Yes, as the fourth tree falls down with Sayer, you know, pulling it off of its former post along the edge of the bridge, the goose lands with a fluttering of feathers and wings. The final card gripped in its beak, all of the rest of it fluttered off the wind off the side of the of the massive hole. It lands and it looks up at you, Zynan. Zynan crouches down and holds his hand out for the card. Okay. The goose looks at your hand and then looks up past you at the oracle, resembling a floating orange mm -hmm. next to Lumira's head. And you see violence bleed into the goose's eyes. You see hunger and you see interest as its eyes fall upon the oracle. Huh? Huh? 
Not that one. Hold on. Are there peach trees around? <laughs> like, oh, they're on the ground. Cool. Yeah, Lumira will like peep that and reach down to pick up some, like pick up a a peach and offer it to the goose instead. Kind of like doing like that protective mom cuddle to the oracle so like has the orange like right here and is like <laughs> passing the <laughs> passing the peach with her other hand uh there's there's a tense moment as the final tree falls down right and the goose looks from zynan to you lumira to the oracle back to the peach and before it can make a decision all of you hear a voice an actual person voice, not coming from the goose, coming from across the bridge. And then you all see a person arrive at the apex of the crumbled hole, and immediately your eyes are drawn to them. They are a slender, angular person, and they are gesticulating with a kind of despondent but cheeky fervor. And their silky yet ruffled hair is green and dark. It's so dark it's almost black, with a wash of lighter green hair on the inner tresses that barely touch their shoulders. And their skin is light brown, smooth, just a little sun-kissed. They wear this sleeveless dark brown crop top made of hardy silk twill with gold embellishments all over and a fringe of orange tassels right where the shirt ends in front of their chest. And their top surgery scars are barely visible through that fringe, as well as a bare abdomen of lean muscle. They wear a pair of leather arm guards, as well as a long, wide sash with the same kind of gold embellishments on it as their shirt, and a robed skirt drapes from their waist all the way down to their ankles in a wave of dark green, the same shade as their hair, with the hem embroidered in these thin golden clouds. No, mist. Dangling from this person's hip is a drinking gourd, not too big, not too small, tied in place by orange rope. It has a black stopper and coruscating veins of gold and orange across its surface, as though it's been broken and glued back together again, or perhaps just cracked, but not successfully destroyed. And these long orange tassels dangle from their ears, the jewelry swaying expressively from side to side as they move and gesture. And their face, it's sharp, it's triangular, but it's not unattractive, with a broadly smiling mouth and eyes, such eyes, bright orange alive with thick cutting eyelashes that flutter every time they speak and blink. And this person, currently gesticulating in the direction of the goose, but stops short when they see the three of you, tiny little dots from their perspective on the other side of the bridge. And they mutter something under their breath that none of you can quite catch, but in that same tongue that doesn't actually immediately parse for you, despite the multiversal translation that the oracle supposedly has kept going for you. Uh, uh, and this person like kind of looks from side to side at this huge hole. 
and they step forward as if they're gonna uh, touch the air with their foot, which is covered by just a a, a very plain but well-made black silk slipper. And then they walk across the air as though there's something underneath them. They walk across the air and they finally land in front of all of you. The goose immediately turns away from your party and kind of shuffles behind their legs, uh, rather shyly and protectively, as though they have some kind of bond-like animal companionship relationship with this person. <sighs> they look at all of you with an expression of open shock, surprise, and then they smile and they bow deeply at the waist. Uh, Zainan watched this person descend and his mind filled in pink platforms under their feet. And as he stood, wiped the thought away, put it behind the same door that he keeps on putting everything behind... He writes himself, inclines his hat. Howdy. Uh, you'll have to forgive us. Ah, you don't speak the tongue of gods, do you? We're new here. Yes, evidently. Um, and this person looks at each of you, looks at the felled. Sayers in the middle of like tying them together and as soon as he sees this person begin kind of like cascading downwards towards them he is like in mid tying the knot taut and he's still grabbing onto the rope as he's staring at this person and that same kind of like look that Sinan had as he watches them kind of like move downward this beautiful elegance and his mouth is agape for a moment he shakes it and uh, still like finishes that knot and begins like dragging the wooden bridge onto his shoulder with the rope that's left over just so that he can get closer to listen uh, to the conversation. And he just looks around. I think he initially looked at the Oracle for a moment and it was just like Oracle translate and then realizes it's a different tongue and then smiles and says, uh, hi. Hello. Um, who are you? Oh, yes, of course. Where are my manners? Greetings, esteemed cultivators. I am Huin Xiaocheng, the courtier of the four symbols, and, well, until the three of you arrived, the last person left in the city of heaven. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Stardiers, Jordan, Derek Davidson, Phil, Mark J, Astrid, Spencer, Lyle and Peanut, Rose, Alex, The Bow System, Cassidy, Lex, Charles, and Cora Eckert. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!